So Danny Flexen, delighted to be joined by Lou Bella and Topolina, of course. Trusty sidekick. Topolina. <laughs> Topolina making an appearance. Okay. We're always glad to see her. Um, I think this might be the 20th edition of Bella's Digest. I don't want to make too much fanfare in case I've got my maths wrong. But it's, it's around that mark. It is. I, I've been enjoying these, Danny, because we just shoot the shit, you know? We just, these are just conversations. And, uh, you know... You, you know me at this point. I, you know, I am who I am. I say what I say. Pretty wild week, by the way. I mean, a lot, a lot has gone on in the last week. Well, yeah, and I'm sure you won't be surprised that we're going to kick off with something we talked about last week. Although I don't think either of us anticipated the uh, acceleration in the dispute between the Zone and Canelo and Golden Boy, which on Tuesday, or at least we found out Tuesday overnight. You know. You know what? I, I, I did anticipate it, actually. I mean, I, I, I did in the sense that I, I don't think it's just the pandemic that brought this around. And I don't think it's outrageous at all that the zone requested a, a Canelo, you know, take a reduction in his his purse. Um, but this has been a long time coming. And it, it's been a long time coming because there's obviously been a disconnect between Canelo, Golden Boy, and also the zone. Because what it appears when, look, I read the lawsuit. I didn't think it was the greatest lawsuit I ever read in terms of how it was written. But but it's clear, I, I think they wanted to get to court and they wanted to open up discussions. I understand fully why Canelo filed. Um, but if you read the lawsuit, the one thing that's very clear is the following. The deal potentially, that the deal Canelo had with Golden Boy doesn't appear to jive with the deal Golden Boy made with the zone. Sure. And there appears at the very least to have been a shocking lack of transparency and communication. So it's no accident they're in this situation. And, you know, I'm a lawyer. I went to Harvard. I'm a smart guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I was a really good lawyer. I didn't like being a lawyer, but I was good at it. And as a lawyer, um, there's a lot more to this. Like, you know, people here premium opponent and they're all arguing on the internet is so-and-so a premium opponent so-and-so a premium opponent no that's not the issue the issue is what does the provision read what does it say and canelo in his lawsuit basically said here is my opponent approval provision that says it's mutually agreed but i've come to learn that it's different the provision is different than the disown agreement for example if the disown agreement says a premium opponent is in the sole discretion of the zone, then the word premium and trying to figure out what it means doesn't fucking matter. The, yeah, the words that the matter are exactly. And by the way, is it reasonable if you're the zone to say, I paid 35, 40 million for fight A, B, and C, and it didn't move the needle enough. So now I'm insisting on a huge fight and I'm not accepting the next fight as a premium opponent, even if it's a quality opponent. There's no argument that Callum Smith isn't a quality opponent. There's no argument that Billy Joe's not a quality opponent. Of course they're quality opponents. They're competitive fights. They're quality opponents. That being said, does Billy Joe Saunders, you know, outside of the UK, does Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith mean anything? They don't mean shit. No offense to them. They're, they're stars in, 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 um, in the UK. They are among hardcore boxing fans, hard that being a very key word, hardcore boxing fans, which outside of the of Great Britain there 
aren't that many. They're known, but they're not known to casuals. They're not known to the kind of sports fans that the zone needs to subscribe in order to survive. So we don't know yet because it wasn't in that that document. What does the opponent approval provision say in the zone Golden Boy Agreement? I've been led to believe by many, many people who would know that Golden Boy promised the zone the, the triple G fight. You know, it's no accident that, you know, they still haven't gotten it. And why haven't they gotten it? Because apparently Golden Boy never secured the right for from Canelo to promise that. So there's the big argument here that the zone didn't get what it bargained for. And you know what? Uh, you, you could debate about how loyal Canelo is or isn't. You could debate about how realistic Canelo is or isn't. But did he do anything wrong by bringing an action to try to uh, enforce his contract? No. I mean, people do that all the time. I, I don't blame him for doing that. And maybe he also did it. And as a lawyer, this is something that jumped out at me. Maybe he also did it because by filing a lawsuit, by, by Canelo, by filing a lawsuit against the zone and and Golden Boy, Canelo's lawyers now open the door to direct conversations between Canelo and the zone. And those direct conversations may very well be Oscar's worst nightmare. And the reason those conversations probably haven't happened in total candor previously is that Golden Boy is the promoter. And the, and the privity of contract, the, the contractual relationship is between Canelo and Golden Boy. And then there's a separate contractual relationship between Golden Boy and the zone. So it's very, very likely now that discussions are going to be ongoing that, that go directly from Canelo to the zone. And if, they're re if, if those two sides agree that they were both misled, and I'm not saying they were because I don't have all the details. Sure. All I read was a very, you know, and it, was, you know, it wasn't a bad complaint. There was a complaint that was designed to get to court and to open up these discussions. And I get that. But when I look at the complaint and, 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 and it's clear to me that there are discussions now that are going to take place directly between the zone and Canelo's lawyers and Canelo. And if they agree that they were both misled, the real party here that might have the most to lose sleep over would be Oscar and, 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 and Golden Boy. The one thing I wanted to ask you about, there were various reports that uh, listed some of the people that apparently the zone considered to be premium opponents. Aside from Triple G, the rest of them just weren't feasible. So is that the zone saying, give us GGG or nothing? Yeah, I mean, like the, the idea that people are attacking the zone if they gave that list. I, first of all, I don't know whether they gave that list, no. but I understand that list. I understand so that. So do I. I mean, what fights are going to move the needle? Well, you know what? If you could get Mayweather out of retirement, go ahead. That'll move the needle. We'll negotiate that with you. If Oscar, look, the zone didn't make Oscar go public and said, I'm coming out of retirement. Oscar did. Yeah. So you know what? What a great way to sort of do this to Oscar and to say, hey, hey, bro, you're out of retirement. You're around the same weight class. We'll accept you. Go ahead. Now, does the zone really think Oscar is going to jump in the ring with Canelo? Probably not, but they're making a point. Yeah. And then everybody knows that like like Dana White and Oscar are not friends. Like Dana White's not doing any deal for one of the superstars of the UFC to bail Golden Boy out. That would never happen in a million fucking years. I know Dana, that would never happen. But let me ask an honest question. If Masvidal was announced as an opponent for Canelo, 
would that do business? It would do a shitload of business. It would be huge because it would attract endless number of casuals, MMA fans, and boxing fans would watch for the curiosity. Now, do I think the zone really believed that 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 you know Golden Boy could deliver Jorge Masvidal or Khabib? No, but that's not the point. What they're basically saying is, now I've given you a bunch of opponents. Okay, asshole, now deliver the triple G fight you promised. That's what I think the message is. Now, fight the triple G now. Give me what I bargained for. That's what they're doing. And I don't blame them for that. And and you know what? I, I, I Boxing Twitter, you know, it's the same people over and over again. I mean, you go on boxing Twitter, to be honest with you, like, and here's something that's interesting, by the way, Danny. I look at boxing Twitter in the U.S. and the majority of communications are coming out of the U.K. I mean, here it's the same 10,000 people on social media talking about boxing all the time, but the majority of people chatting about it are in the UK. Um, you know, but if, 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 if you're sitting there and you're looking at, at this situation, um, obviously there's a pandemic. It, it, it's affecting every media company in the world. You know, it, these are not easy times. But, it, but I could understand the company that paid $35, $40 million to fight expecting to get the benefit of their bargain. And I could also expect the fighter, even if he's a bit spoiled, even if he's a multimillionaire, you know, even if he's the biggest attraction in boxing, I could, I, any athlete who has a contract is going to want the benefit of his bargain. And that's not outrageous, no matter what you think of Canelo. You know? So... It makes perfect sense to me that this this was filed. And it makes even more sense to me that it happened quickly because the only way to advance negotiations and discussions quickly was to allow direct conversation between Canelo and and the zone. And the only way to really do that was as settlement discussions in a litigation. And now Canelo, you know, Canelo struck the first blow, and now I'm sure that the doors open to communication. Just as a quick aside before we move on, how often, if at all, are you confused by boxing fans or fight fans with Dana White? In what sense? In the sense that you're both uh, a certain age, a certain look, both uh, animated guys, <laughs> both fight promoters. I'm thinking more the casual fans here when you're out on the street. Do you ever get confused with them? Nah, not much. I mean, I, I'm a lot taller than he is. He's a lot bigger than I am. Um, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a left winger. He's a right winger. Throw that into the equation. It doesn't matter how we look, but I mean, our, you know, I no, I look, look. I've known Dana for a long time, and and our politics are very different, and 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 we have different approaches to a lot of things. But I got to be honest, I have I have a, a respect for him because whatever you think of him, he is who he is, and he sticks by his principle. And, you know, like I, I despise Donald Trump, but Donald Trump and Dana have been friends for years. I mean, do I, do, do I like the fact he's buddy, buddy with Donald Trump? No, but you know what? He's loyal to his friends. Do I respect that? I guess I do. Um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Dana because I think he's good at what he does. You know, I think he's a good, he, he's a good, uh, hype person. He's a good promoter. Um, I, I think he's done a lot to elevate MMA and UFC. Um, you know, he's a talented guy. No, I don't get confused with him on the street very often, but, uh, but he and I have a, have a nice relationship and, and we talk and, and, um, I, I, I have a great, even though I disagree with him on many, many things, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. I think Topolina is offended by the mere suggestion you might be confused with Dana White. 
<laughs> no, actually, Topolina, Topolina's offended by the pit bull that's staring into the car right now. <laughs> so, so she's defending uh, her she's territory. Over the, I like it. She, yeah, she's defending our car. Yeah. Um, so while we might not get a big Canelo fight this year, one big fight we are going to get is Vasily Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez, which for me is an absolutely mouth-watering show. Uh, I, I love that fight. I and it's love free. that fight. It's free in the US, at least. We don't know what's happening in the UK. Which, which, is, which I'm very happy about. I'm really, really happy that we're going to... And look, the ratings... You know, people talk about the ratings this week. There was a better PBC radio than recent weeks, but the ratings have been weak. The ratings have been very weak because the programming for free has been, um, I, 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 you know, we've talked about it many times. I'm not criticizing it because these are tough economic times, but to be able to get that quality of matchup that I would have paid 60 or 70 bucks to watch without arguing about it. Um, to get that on regular ESPN, I think is wonderful. I, I think that will be the biggest night boxing will have um, in the United States this year, and um, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's a terrific matchup. I'm gonna I'm gonna call the upset with Tiafimo. Um, you know, I I I, uh, I I love Lomachenko; was one of my favorite fighters. But I but I think that at 135, um, with both of the guys, you know, Lomachenko at 135. Tio's not going to walk into the ring at 135. No. He's going to be huge. And um, and I just think that as great as Lomachenko is, I don't think he's one of the physically strongest lightweights out there. No. And I think that, that Tiafimo is. Um, I, I, the reason that I give, I, 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 I'm going to take Tiafimo here as an underdog is because I think he has a shot to hurt Lomachenko. Um, it hasn't happened often that Lomachenko's been hurt. He, it's ha it has happened, but very infrequently, but um, but I think that Tiafimo ha has that chance to hurt him. I think he comes into the fight with piss and vinegar and self confidence, and and I mean the kid is is revved up for this. I you know he's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment at all because there's it's not going to be anybody in the room. <laughs> um, I, I I give him a real healthy chance to win. It wouldn't obviously look if Lomachenko wins. Could it? Will anyone be shocked? No, he's one of the best fighters in the world, maybe the best fighter in the world. Um, but I love that fight. I love that fight. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm also really looking forward to the Charlo Derevinchenko fight. I, I think that that's going to be a terrific, terrific match. You know, one of the things we got to talk about, Danny, and I don't know if it's if you notice this at all in the fights that have taken place in the UK, but the judging has been fucking abysmal in this pandemic. The judging with they're, no they're crowds. They're being swayed by the fans, Lou. No, they're being swayed by the politics. You know what? Their, their, their sway by the politics of boxing is becoming obvious, more and more obvious, because the fans are there. So you're wondering now why the whole world could watch a fight and know that the scores are off, but the professional judges around the ring, scores all suck. Yeah. And, and, and the whole system of judging, look, there are too many champions. There are too many ratings organizations. There's too much corruption. The system of judging is political and bullshit and affected by many external elements. It needs to be taken out of the hands of ratings organizations. There needs to be checks and balances on bad judges. If you're 80 years old and you've been a terrific judge, but your last few years, it's clear that you're not performing up to level, then quietly someone should take that judge. There needs to be checks and balances. And by the way, you know, it's interesting because now people are looking that there was a, one really bad scorecard the other day, and it was with an elderly judge in the States who happened to a guy I respect who was a good judge for years and years. And maybe he's a little bit long on the tooth right now to be judging. 
That's possible. Doesn't explain the other two shitty scorecards. <laughs> Exactly. Because what if I watch a fight and, and I know that in a best case scenario, the opponent won three rounds and and all three and all three judges had the outcome in doubt going into the twelfth round, something is systemically wrong. Yeah. Something is systemically wrong. And part of the reason why, and, and again, we have all these conversations and we always acknowledge that boxing is much bigger sport with a much bigger fan base in the uk than it is in the us right sure. now there is that that difference but that being said uk fight fans are great fight fans and everyone knows judging sucks and everyone knows there are too many champions and everyone knows there's corruption in the ratings organizations and everyone knows there's corruptions in the whole system of judging and the connection between judges and promoters and ratings organizations everybody knows it but nothing ever gets fixed and it's one of the reasons why worldwide we are not a growing sport. And it's one of the reasons why, despite a billion dollars plus being spent boxing in the U.S. over the last five years, boxing's weaker here than it has ever been. I think there's been a real kind of sea change over here in the last five years of boxing fans and casual fans as well being more aware of how bad the judging is. Because 10 years ago here, we always used to talk in kind of somber tones about fighters having to go to Germany or Italy or France and getting a decision over there and how difficult it was because of regional bias. Whereas now I think people accept that it can sometimes be just as difficult for fighters coming from abroad to here or even from other regions. 100%. 100%. But you know what, Danny? It's not just regional bias. It's, it's, it's even honestly more insidious than regional bias. Regional bias is going to take place in every single sport you know, home, we call it home field advantage or home ring advantage or home court advantage. You know, that's, it's always going to be advantageous with a crowd that's screaming and yelling for one side. That one side's always going to have something of an advantage. Okay. That's human nature. We can't fight human nature. However, it's, it's not just regional bias. It's economic bias. You see, if you are with top rank or you're with, you know, Matchroom with their exclusive deal with the zone with all that money Eddie was talking about, or you were with Al Heyman. There is an economic advantage. The, the A-side fighter is perceived as a fighter that's supposed to win. The ratings organizations now, there's no religion. They kowtow to where the money is. They make more money when, the when, when a big fight occurs because the sanctioning fees are higher. They always want the fight that's going to have more money. They're not protecting fighters. They're not protecting opponents and making sure that the best opposition rises to the top of their ratings. They're protecting the people with the checkbooks. Now, that's how most of the world works. So you can't just single out boxing. But, but you know, boxing, it, it's atrocious, the favoritism. And, and, and not only that, but like what gets sanctioned? Right now, you can, you can find the world title for almost anything. You could create a new fucking world title. Just go talk to all four of the organizations. One of them are likely to work with you. You know? God, I don't know, man. You know, it's... Um, I love boxing, and I'm a huge fan, and, and I'll always love boxing. And, and boxing has created... My, my legacy lies largely in this sport. And and I love fighters. And, and, and I even like that, you know, as dirty as we are, as corrupt as we can be, there's still an honesty in it in a weird sense to us because we are, we don't have a commissioner. We don't have a central authority. Um, 
the world is a fucking mess. So what do you expect us to be? We're sort of a microcosm of everything else. And, and, and there's a lot of theater and poetry to boxing because of the mano a mano or woman against woman element of it. And because of all the intangibles outside of athletic ability that really matter in boxing, heart, intellect, you know, all those other things. I'll always love boxing. But the sport uh, as a business, I fucking hate it. I really do. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. And I'm not a kid anymore. And I don't need to do it forever. And, and by the way, like, you know, it's funny because like, well, everyone wants to write an article to whoever about, oh, everyone's being affected by this. And this person who doesn't have a plot, people without a platform are more affected. And maybe they're going to be pushed out. And we had that conversation. And then there were eight, 18 headlines, <laughs> you know, Debella scared, you know, Debella scared shitless and, and worried about. No, let me explain something to you. When I get out of this, it's because I want to. When I get out of this, it's going to be because I want to. Not because anyone shut me down or any fucking pandemic shut me down. But I'll be honest with you, my love for the business, not the sport, the business, completely gone. Like, I, I, it's, I find it almost intolerable. And, and, and by the way, right now, the better fights, the biggest fights are happening in fucking courtrooms, not in the ring. That is true. Let's end on a, a maybe more lighthearted note and another aside, but because you mentioned home field advantage, you got me thinking, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but who is your NFL team? The New York Giants. That's the Giants. Which, which we, you know, we have a proud history. We have <laughs> Super Bowl wins. We've had, but right now we're in a rebuilding mode, but I like our quarterback, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones and, yeah. uh, I, I don't think uh, we're a playoff team this year, but I really think we're on the, for a change, we're heading in the right direction. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a New York Giant fan in baseball. I'm a New York Met fan and a San Francisco Giant fan. Uh, in hockey, I'm a New York Islander fan. And in the NBA, I root for a bunch of teams. I root for players I like. I'm a big Damian Lillard fan, so I root for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I'm a Brooklyn Net fan only because I love everything that says Brooklyn. Well, we know the season, the NFL season, kicks back off tonight as we talk. I don't know this won't go out today, but it's tonight's the first game, I believe. And Yeah, Daniel Jones looked great when he first came in, and then he obviously had the injury, and, and Eli came back in for his farewell tour um, briefly as well. I, I, I'm very happy that, you know, like I, I, when, they, when they said Daniel Jones with that early pick in the draft, I was complaining and going, oh, my God, they're crazy. Daniel Jones, what are you kidding me? Everyone did. There was that famous meme, wasn't there, on social media of the guy just shocked for a New York Giants jersey on. But I got to tell you, I went, you know, I'm a Giants season ticket holder. And last season, I was able to go to a few games and watch the kid play. And and he has a lot of composure. He's got ice water in his veins. I'm very... I'm very optimistic about Daniel Jones. I, I think that I think we found our quarterback. Now we got to surround him by uh, enough good players that we can win. Yeah, well, you've got a great running back as well in Saquon Barkley. If as long as he stays, you've always got a chance. Sensational running back. I, you know, I think the Giants are going to be improved this year. I, I don't think they're going to win the playoffs, but I made a bet. I think the over under on wins for the season was six and a half. Um, and I, and I took the over because I, I, I yeah. don't, I, I think the Giants, I think the Giants were a 500 team. I think they're going to be yeah, a 500 nine and team. Seven, eight and eight. eight and eight, nine and seven. That's sort of how I see it. Yeah. And I, more I likely eight and eight, more likely left. eight. Good riddance. I mean, he, you know, he was a super talent, but, but you know, I, I, I was a fan because he was so athletically gifted, sure. but you know what, man, in boxing, in football, in any sport, if you play the fool and you act like an asshole, 
you're going to lose you're going to lose fans and and he lost me just with all the antics and the distractions i mean a, a, a gifted athlete you, you know you could be yourself you could have a personality you don't have to be mother teresa but when you start becoming a huge distraction to your own team around your league with your fans that that's not okay you know agreed well it's been a pleasure as always covered a lot of subjects this time diverse hey hey we, we, we didn't we didn't we didn't cover the fact that a book just came out in the United States accompanied by hours and hours of audio tape of the president of my country lying like a thief. And, and, and the, you know, the irony, like right now, uh, it's good for me to get this kind of distraction because I didn't sleep last night thinking to myself that, that I can't, I mean, I'm fighting with friends and family members and people who were like, how can you argue with facts? You see, you can argue opinions. But you can't argue data and facts. And how do you continue to support somebody that's on video and audio tape lying like a degenerate? You know, so uh, anything, Danny, that takes my mind off what's going on in my country right now is, is good for me. So I'm enjoying our conversations every Wednesday or Thursday. And I look forward to episode 21 next <laughs> yeah. week. Well, our, our, um, our discussions will be able to drink from next week legally in the U.S. So there you go. There we go. Good so maybe I'll bring a cocktail to our next discussion. Yeah, I'll talk to you. You're always better company. With Take a care, buddy. All right. Take care, Luke. Speak to you soon. Usually. Yeah. Bye bye. Take care, Danny. <laughs>